0: Hello, everyone. This is the Carbide Content Podcast. I'm David, aka Contraption Collection.
1: I am Grant, aka
2: Fellowship Blades. And I'm John, and I'm with Triaxis. All
0: right. What did you How's... do this week?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. I guess I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, let me think. I've been really struggling with process flow, especially with grades. Uh, sorry, blades and grinding. Um my grinding isn't bad. Like I'm I'm holding usually, you know, four or five tenths. Like surface uh, grinding? Surface grinding, yeah. Um I'm holding four or five tenths on a bad day, so usually it's like two or three and it's like really good. Problem is it's taking me like a solid six hours per three blades, which is I run three blades overnight, so every single day the grinder's just running nonstop and then the other day i think i think the blades are warped out of heat treat and so it was taking me a little bit longer to grind through the warp mm-hmm. and I, and i actually overground them by a thou and i was like well these are scrapped but then i just didn't have blades and so i lost mm-hmm. a day of production essentially and you know, every every time i lose a day of production i'm like okay first off that's a huge hit <laughs> like financially it's like that's 1500 bucks just out the door that shouldn't have been out the door right um so it's like if, if I could have spent 1500 bucks to have fixed this problem permanently like it is a no-brainer right P- problem is you know grinders are expensive so and I'm already paying for Haas and electrical and everything currently still not the Haas, but the, but the electrical um so I'm really just in a pickle where I'm I don't really I have a problem and a problem could affect my actual production numbers but I don't have a direct solution and I'm now I'm thinking like, do I start outsourcing grinding? Do I do it in larger batches? I'm I'm not sure. Uh mm-hmm. yeah. So Monday I spent uh stay at the shop till like three in the morning grinding blades so that I had yep. <laughs> plenty plenty this week. Damn. Yeah. But what grinder do you have? It is a brown and sharp number two from like nineteen forty three um it so it's really actually a a really cool grinder it's entirely mechanical and it's all driven off of one motor um just belts in the back and the table is just a bunch of gears and clutches and stuff Mm -mm. it's it's rock solid the mechanical portion is rock solid except the spindle i'm afraid is just going to die because i don't know if i'm actually lubricating it because i oil the reservoir and it doesn't go down um and it just gets really, really hot, and it's obviously old. And I don't, I, I physically cannot remove the spindle from like the housing because it's either rusted shut or there's like another bolt that I just don't know where it is or another nut kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if I can replace the spindle if it dies. So I'm, I am worried that like it's just going to die one day and then I'll be completely out of the water or whatever. <laughs> so, so the, uh, the,
2: oil on there you the level like there's not like a cyclist or anything right you're just putting oil in it and hoping it's going somewhere
1: yeah it's yeah it's just like a you know a cup sticking out of a pipe on the side of the spindle and so i just fill it with what i assume is the correct oil um and it it like over a long time like over a week i'll see it go down a little bit but there's there is still like standing water in that little reservoir um, where every other oiler on the thing is just a pipe that goes right down to the components. <laughs> and so you just pour oil in it forever and it'll just continue, continue to oil. So I'm, I'm just not sure if it's working <laughs> or gotcha. like it's clogged or, or something, you know, it just seems weird. Yeah. But, um, you so go, how, it,
0: oh, go ahead. So like, what do you think was the cause of scrapping the blades?
1: Well, I, I think the the original cause was that they warped slightly out of heat treat. Um, right. You know, it probably five or ten thou, but it, it was enough that I was grinding unevenly pre or you know final heat final grinding. And so usually I'm I'm pretty uh, aggressive with my roughing passes. I'll take th- like three or four thou in one pass, and in doing that. I, I was grinding until I, you know, everything was cleaned off and I kept mm-hmm. doing that. And then by the time it was finally cleaned off, I was, I was already overshot my value. Right. Um, so also why I was looking at probably improving my heat treat process, getting, getting a proper, like qu- uh, plate quench press setup going. So maybe I'll have straighter blades out of heat treat. And then, cause, cause my current thought process was if I can, if I have, Less stock to leave on the pre grinding before heat treat, and my blades are coming out flat out of the heat treat, then I will only have to grind off like five thou, you know, a couple thou on each side. Th- then right. I can do final grinding really quickly, and I can do rough grinding on batches, so it should be a little bit faster. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my current thought processes on that, and it's I don't know if I'll have a solution today yet, but
2: what do you uh, typically leave for material prior to grinding? Like at I a d- heat, rate, what do you have left on them?
1: At, at least 10 thou. Um, gotcha. sometimes it's more like 15 cause I, my stock comes in, not, not finished at all. So it's like 160 thou uh, yeah. and I'm going to one twenty five. So, Oh, gotcha. It's, it's also like while I'm pre grinding, pre grinding goes great. There's no, never any issues. Obviously I'm not really trying to hit like a perfect value. And so, uh, I'll grind off until I, it's all clean, and then it's like 140, and I'm like, okay, let me take down a little bit more. So,
2: how long does it take you to pre-grind? Like, what's a what's a batch for you as far as blade, blades blades goes? At three
1: or like so, pre-grinding I run six at a time. Okay, and uh, it takes me probably three hours to to get them complete, ready for the heat treat. Gotcha. And then post-grinding, I only run... Well, sometimes I run four at a time. And, and I run them in a in a different orientation. And it takes me, you know, six hours. Right.
2: You don't have any extra spindle time, do you?
1: Not on the grinder, no. Or I are mean, you talking about I'm, the mill? On the mill, yeah. No, it's... Yeah, it's running full steam. I'm When I have the VF1 up, I think I might. And I, I, I know what you're going with it. I was thinking about... Yeah roughing on the mill with you know some end mill just doing a flat pass yeah um because i have an extra mag chuck too so it would actually be kind of easy
2: Mm -hmm. Mm. i just because like what i do is because i'm going to 125 as well and i think my stock's probably exactly the same the same height it's like 156 or something or something like that so i end up like putting the shape in it on the mill but i also like i was facing with an end mill but now i'm just facing with an actual a face mill
1: Mm-hmm.
2: and you know i think you could probably do six and like and actually get them rough shaped or whatever in an hour compared to three but again if you don't have the spindle for it then it doesn't really matter you know yeah. you don't have the time for it
1: yeah that, that might might be effective once the vf1's running because i'm planning on keeping the vf1 more or less free for these kind of jobs throughout throughout my production yeah um but I, I'm also, I'm kind of scoring with face milling, to be honest, because the first batch of uh, uh Pit Vipers, the first several, probably 50 Pit Vipers, um, I face milled them, I didn't grind them at all, because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and it was really inaccurate, like, it was up one thou, down a thou on the other end. Um, and I'm sure, like, my feeds and speeds could have been better, maybe my work coding could have been better, but... I, I, it was definitely more inaccurate than I, I want, even pre heat treat. You know. I yeah. holding them. I was just tabbing on either end and then face milling in the middle. Like it was not an ideal situation.
2: <laughs> oh
0: yeah. Wait, so like was uh, it was screws holding it down?
1: Yeah, screws. So, uh, so my blade stock, I have tabs below the zen pin and then or the zen nipple, and then I have a tab kind of at the tip, and the face mill is coming in from the side in between each tab. And, and just doing it. Okay. Yeah. yeah it, it what was, I
0: feel like really doesn't work is trying to use uh, like pit bulls to hold something thin you're facing.
1: Oh, no. Yeah.
0: Like that'll just warp and like not sit flat in the fixture all yeah. the time.
1: I, yeah. Now that I actually have an extra mag chuck, I think if I had them in a mag chuck and I faced them lightly, I think you'd be fine.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then the smaller the end mill is, the less of the. Mills tram being a problem right um so and potentially I don't know it's weird but sometimes the surface finish could be better but it won't look better
2: yeah I'm actually using pitbulls to hold them down when I face them oh really <laughs> yeah and uh so I'm not I'm not facing to like 125 like I'm leaving 10th is the, yeah. yeah yeah and then um Yeah, I mean, it's not obviously as uh, flat as the surface grinder can get, but it's good enough to where my biggest thing was like when I was using an end mill. Actually, I was getting it the they would potato chip. Actually, they would uh, convex, I guess, or concave. They would the outside would bend upwards towards the the heat of the end mill, I guess, Mm -hmm. and using the face mill and just taking two like you know, half passes or whatever, like half an inch or like three quarters of an inch across, you know, two different passes. It doesn't, right. they don't potato chip whatsoever, even just using air blast and stuff. Huh. And hmm. the surface quality is actually like pretty good, even just with a like a four insert face mill. Um, and, and it's I, really quick, obviously, compared yeah. to, uh, you know, but I don't know. I think, you know, It's it really depends too. But the pit bulls work for this size stock that I'm using, and it's still
1: right and and your your blade is kind of on the small side, so it's there's less to uh less to warp and in that kind of sense my my uh pit viper blade was like almost five inches and like three quarters of an inch uh, width so it's like really long and skinny yeah, which is just not ideal for anything yeah. <laughs> Hmm. yeah I I was (laughs) kind of I was
0: thinking about like a while ago I was surprised that Dalen or you was talking about uh, the blades being bent 80 thou or some amount like that and it was touching the inside of a channel in your knives and that you were able to fix it but then I was drawing in uh, Fusion yesterday and I realized that if you like model it so that it's, you know, starting centered and going to the side, uh, so it's like 80 thou bend, but then you actually draw a line from one point to the other diagonally, like how I measure bend, then it's really only like 20 thousandths of bend. Do you get what I mean?
1: Wait, wait, so how are you measuring the first part?
0: Well, if you just have like uh, a handle sticking straight up and then your blade is also sticking straight up, but the Blade is biasing, bending so that it hits the inside of a handle. Right. Uh, Then that could be, you know, the inside of the handle to where the blade started, just left to right. That could be like 80 thou. But then if you go diagonally from the tip of the blade, and this is like uh, across five inches, uh, from the tip to that same starting point, but you go diagonally and then measure the distance from the center of the arc to the right. center of the line, that's only like 20 thou.
1: I got you. I got you. Okay.
0: And so uh, the amount that needs to be fixed and bend isn't quite as crazy as I thought you guys might have been doing. Or at least I, I think that's what's going on.
1: Well, so the most of the time, I, I mean, it goes both ways. Uh, like there has been light bend, light enough that like you still assemble a knife. And there's tap in it, and then you can bend that out, and that's usually probably what you're talking about. Twenty thou, not crazy, but I, I've had some seriously bent knives. Um, like you, they wouldn't fit in the channel bent, um, and I've I've still bent them. To, it's probably about fifty percent. I bend them, fifty percent. I break them. <laughs> um,
0: if you put it on a surface plate though, so it's like a bridge like what do you think the biggest shim you could fit under is
1: I'll I will have to check cuz that's not the way I was measuring them but I would guess at least 60 um
0: okay if- I mean I've had I've had 60 th- uh thou happen um but to me that's where it's enough bend that you'll just crack the blade trying to fix it um but I have thinner blades too
1: Yeah I I mean yeah it's it's you know there, there's a lot of variables i think the biggest variable for both of us is the actual like bevel geometry um because like yeah. my bevels are really long and skinny and i guess yours kind of are too um where like dalen's are kind of short and stout and so we're all going to have very different bending uh you know results kind of thing um,
0: and I, I think in the um the knife steel book uh it talks about like the cross-sectional area is kind of the biggest factor uh, for how rigid things are.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And so I also have like wider blades, uh, even though they're thinner.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm in my head. I feel like a thinner blade would bend easier, but I may be wrong on that. I'm not sure. No, no, that's
0: yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It's okay. Uh, yeah. It's less. It's less area, and so. Uh, you know, as the area goes down of, you know, if you just take like a slice of it, it gets easier to bend.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. I uh, I thought I was being but, crazy.
0: But it's thing. not just the area either. Cause like a you know, uh, uh, a piece of sheet metal, that's a 16th of an inch thick, but super long is going to bend more than, uh, uh, you know, the same area, but in, in like a one by one inch bar. So, right. I don't know. That's uh, maybe I'm <laughs> maybe I don't know what I'm talking about.
1: Well, so have you have you tried uh, heat treating different steels and bending them and seeing what the results are yet? Have you gotten that through?
0: No, I, uh, I I've I got some different steels in the mail that I want to do that, but I'm still kind of debating how I want to do it, um, and. I just, I just, I've been putting it off and doing other stuff because uh, I just don't know if I can do a good enough job. And so maybe I would want to send those to a heat treat company, a heat treat, because then they could actually, you know, hardness test it and make sure they all are the same hardness. Um, but also, I don't know, you know, I, I, from, from what i've from from my research and trying to talk to to of knife steel nerds i've just kind of got the impression of that the factors that determine how bendy steel is the type of steel is like the least important factor so th- what matters is like like we said the shape but also just the way you heat treat it there's different ways to heat treat the same steel i think that could be a bigger factor than even the type of steel um, and then, uh, you know, the hardness is another factor that obviously matters. Um, and so I don't know. I'm just, try- I, I just, I think I still want to do the test, but I'm, I feel like I'd have to make things perfect or else it wouldn't really tell me much. Cause I'm afraid that the difference is going to be super small, but I, I, I don't know.
1: I, I hate to, you know, create scandal and, and, disagree with knife steel nerds on air um, but <laughs> so in my experience steel definitely has a factor and and the prime example of that is like there's a reason we have specially designed spring steels um, it's the actual like deformation um, like non-plastic deformation temporary deformation that will almost universally be the same but its ability to bend and then come back to where it started. Is definitely a characteristic of the steel. It the heat treat also has has a huge play in creating that. But like, if you if you heat treat a spring steel, you can bend that thing ninety degrees and it'll come back straight every time. But if you heat treat, you know, ten ninety five, you can you'll well, bend it and you'll bend it. Yeah. You know?
0: So to be clear, he never said to me directly that it's the least important factor. It's just when talking to him, you know, in a, in a couple rounds of emails. That's just kind of the impression I got because, you know, he seemed to focus more on the hardness and stuff. And and I, you're right. There's like, you know, I think he works making developing steels for automotive or, autom- um, you know, automobiles for yeah. cars. And so, uh, yeah, of course uh, there's special spring steels and stuff. But I think if we're just talking about knife steels, you know, it's possible I'm also just asking stuff that he doesn't test as much. I, I'm not sure. But um, I think if we're comparing Knife steels, which are are going to be more similar, um, you know, just maybe the hardness and how it's heat treated and stuff like that, just plays a bigger role. Um,
1: yeah, I, I mean, again, I don't so like fifty one sixty, which is which is a you know bona fide spring steel. It's it's used in every truck, as far as I'm aware. Um, that is. A pretty killer knife steel, and a lot of people use it as a knife steel. Fifty two one hundred is a direct derivative of a fifty one sixty, and that's uh, essentially fifty one sixty refined to be an even better knife steel. Um, and they are classified as spring steels. Fifty two might be a bearing steel, if I'm correct, but um, they're more spring steels than like a quote unquote knife steel, because knife yeah. steels don't really exist. We're we're just a weird. Mix of tool steel, stainless, and spring steels, Um, but and I'll have to I'll have to check my actual like books to see what additives are doing stuff. But if I remember correctly, chromium is essentially anti spring steel, Um, and carbon and manganese and stuff like that, um, and depending on sulfur content, can make something more springy versus not springy, and so. So, like S thirty five is a higher chromium, higher molybdenum, if I remember right, um, steel. It'll be less "quote unquote" springy than something like one fifty four cm, which is higher carbon, not higher carbon, but less less chromium, less molybdenum, more traditional carbon steel. Um, what's,
0: what's confusing though is I've heard uh, I've heard that. Um, Scissors are more of a spring than a blade. You know, you want them springy. So they're, you know, bending against each other and, and that's more important than the typical blade properties. And that's why maybe a lower hardness could be okay. But what's weird is I I don't want (laughs) this. What I'm looking for in a steel is kind of not springiness because I want to bend it after heat treat at least a little bit and have it stay, you know, not have it bounce back. Um, and, uh, you know that just might not be possible, but I I don't know. I, I think um...
1: I I definitely think that one fifty four cm is one of the springier steels in Crucible's lineup. So I think if you if you did a single test and a different steel, like if it was S thirty five, I think you would see a result. And I, and I I could be wrong, but like my experience having worked with both one fifty four and S thirty five. One fifty four. I will bend that thing like forty degrees, and it'll come right back straight. Where S thirty five will take a bend, um, with with similar heat treat, both standards and process.
0: Yeah, maybe I'm being too much of a perfectionist, and I should just do a rough test of just one steel. Because I was gonna, I was planning on doing like five steel and making them all like surface ground perfect rectangles. Uh, But I don't know. Maybe I should just make a quick blade or something and just. He treat it however and see what happens
1: yeah well i mean like what you know assuming that you have mill time and you're not like just cr- cr- roll you know rolling and everything else going on like what do you what can you lose like you lose a small blank of s35 if it if it doesn't give you any result um and I, I, there's definitely merit to doing it the right way and testing like six deals at once and making sure they're all perfect don't be wrong that sounds like an ideal situation Um, but for a quick and easy, let's move on from this. Cause you've been stuck on this for, you know, since, since we started the podcast four weeks, at least, you know, and whatever else before, um, it may be worth just doing a quick and dirty test. Um, I don't
0: know. Yeah. I've, I, what I've been trying to do is more like traditional scissor making techniques, uh, with heat treating and, um, uh, and you know how I've, mess with hammering on them as you mm-hmm. saw in my video yeah uh, which I, I'm improving that that method too um and so uh yeah i i think i think it's also possible just uh i i i think it's possible that you could make good scissors with any type of steel still um Definitely. but uh you know, if you have the right skills and knowledge and do things the right way, uh, or have the right fixturing. Um, I, uh, but I don't know. I should should just make some blades out of 440C, which I have. S35V I also bought some of, but that was more just to make a bar of. I'm not sure if I really, I don't know. I don't know if what would convince me to actually make every pair of scissors S35V. Um, Because I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. I I mean, maybe I could, maybe I can make some blades at S3 by V2. Um, but, uh, and then I still wanted to try, uh, AEPL and I, and I have heat treated AEPL and I have heat treated, uh, A2. And I, I, I have S3, I have S30 V blades. Um, but they they're thicker or they don't have the full bevel. Um, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I'm just yeah, that's fair. Right. Um what what's your cycle time to get like just the bevel on on a, on um, a hardened blade?
0: Uh on one blade I feel like it's like half an hour.
1: Oh really? Oh.
0: Yeah, you guys say you have like super long. It might even be faster than that. I I just think I'm just trying to be uh, too hopeful of what the tumbler can take out or something. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I. Because I, uh, how long is yours? Uh,
1: for the actual bevel, I think it's six hours. T- well, okay. To be fair, I'm doing three at once, and and both. Yeah, sides. I was
0: trying to break it down to one blade.
1: Yeah, that's hard for me. Uh, it's probably two and a half hours for one bevel. Um, for one blade or one half one, of a blade? One half of a blade. So one bevel is about two and a half hours. One, is that right? And then five hours. No, it's that probably seems... less than that. So, so it's probably one and a half to two, I think is where.
0: That seems crazy to me. And John, yours has probably got to be similar,
2: though. Um, We're talking about one side? Yeah. Uh it's like 30 minutes aside.
0: Okay, let's hey, yeah, let's so we all do one side cuz I only have one side anyway. So it's 30 mi- minutes for me to do one side.
1: Keep in mind all of our bevels are very different sizes too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you have a thin blade but a long bevel. John has a short blade but a deep bevel and I have a kind of the worst of both, a long deep bevel.
0: <laughs> but still, I mean you know, we're talking about within, like, the area of a few inches. Um, you know, I, uh, I've ju- i done lots of surfacing and stuff, and it's just really hard for me to imagine anything uh, being that many hours.
1: Well, so the, the biggest reason is because I don't have the best work holding for my bevel because it's so deep and long that um, it's hard to hold on to. Just in general. Like I can only grab it barely from the spine and from both ends, but there's nothing I can do in the middle except a a tab. Um so I have to go slow, otherwise I start seeing vibration show up in the surface finish because Mm -hmm. of tool pressure. Um and so I would love to go faster and and like my tools can go faster, but it's it's more of the rigidity of the the work holding.
0: And you're also just doing like steps, right? You're not doing like yeah
1: it's it's actually it's harder to be honest um and something that i'm realizing is to to get clean steps means all of my roughing and finishing have to be within the exact same step and like they, they have to take off a very precise amount of material to get it clean otherwise it'll look really bad
0: no i i've experienced that for sure just doing roughing and and seeing that like one step's kind of disappearing into another,
1: right? Yeah. Uh, um,
0: but still, I I uh, so. What size tool are you using?
1: A uh, quarter inch with the thirty thou bullnose, I think.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Daylin, who might show up at some point, but maybe not. He might be busy. Uh, I think he went. He's using like a three 16th or an eighth inch, right?
1: Three uh, sixteenths for most of his roughing, I think,
0: and uh, and he's doing that for lower tool pressure as well, I think, um, mostly. Um, what so? What RPM spindle do you have?
1: Uh, it goes up to eighty one, and it's
0: how, how fast do you think you can go in the uh, hardened steel?
1: Um.
0: Or how much are you how how much are you doing now?
1: So right now, most of my my roughing is about a hundred surface footage with like less than a thou feed per tooth. Um, and and the the biggest reason I got here is because this is what uh Harvey is telling me to do, which is really in my head I'm like this is crazy, but it it I got it to work with their feeds and speeds, and it doesn't work with a lot of other feeds and speeds let me pull up my my fusion file and i can tell you exactly i think it's probably probably cooking at like 3k rpm
0: yeah i uh um yeah i feel like depending on the size of cut you might be able to go even faster rpm but i'm not sure um yeah yeah i um but 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 have you thought about trying a smaller tool if it's just tool pressure you want?
1: Yes, and I don't really have a reason not to,
0: because um, if you can, can go up in RPM, you know that would be good because the smaller tool would need more RPM.
1: Right. So the biggest the biggest reason against trying, you know, and and this is not a permanent reason. This is just a temporary reason. I was working on bevels for like. Uh, Four months straight and having very not great success until I finally got a good recipe. So when I finally got a good recipe, I was like, I'm not changing a thing. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I can understand. Uh,
1: so here, let me let me. So my roughing is so I do a few passes, and it's a two hour for roughing cycle. Uh, that one's sixty foot at five tenths, so it's a little less than a, a thousand RPM.
0: Yeah, I um, I don't know. Some of Harvey's stuff, I feel like is, it, you know, the speeds and feeds are are more around doing some kind of contour or something, and not the surfacing. Um, and so I I feel like you might be able to bump that up, but I I don't know. You probably have more experience than me, or you definitely will have more experience than me.
1: Well, I am I am more doing a contour pass. You know, I'm I'm taking off, uh. What you know, forty thou deep, and then twenty thou. Oh, oh, right, because you
0: said this is for the roughing.
1: Yeah, so it's, okay, it's yeah it's a true contour. It's not like I'm using a you know the tip of a tool to do surfacing. The finishing pass, I do cook it a little bit faster. I think it's one twenty. Okay, surface okay. at like one and a half thou. Um, but yeah, no, just roughing, and and that's the worst part about this whole thing is my roughing will you know the reason Helixes work is because it'll pull the tool or it'll pull the, the blade to the tool. And so yeah. if I rough too hard, it'll rough f- deeper and that and it'll be an uneven rough, obviously. And so uh, that'll show up in my final pass because it won't clean up. And so I have to take that light tool pass, or sorry, the light surface footage so that it doesn't pull it so that I have a good clean rough. And that way I can clean it up with my finishing surfacing pass. Um, mm. it's it's definitely not ideal, and and one day I'm gonna get back and play with it and and work it. Especially now that I have real good air blast, I think that also uh, is helping a lot with just having better tool life. Means I'll have cleaner cuts and less tool pressure and everything. That's either. true. So, I wonder
0: it's slow enough that I wonder if and you're having trouble with the work holding. I wonder if you could try the the like blade up vertically uh technique where you like cut both sides like stepping down
1: yeah well so right now um i'm doing so you know how the medusa has that back chamfer on the tip uh, uh yeah or, or you know what false false edge whatever you call it um i'm doing blade tip and false edge all in one pass and so if i did blade up i definitely wouldn't be able to reach I think yeah. I probably could reach the tip, but I, I wouldn't be able to get to that back false edge.
0: No, uh, but I mean, you're doing two ops now, and so you'd have to do two ops some other way.
1: Uh, right. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of just dismissed that because of that, that false edge, but it may be worth something to look at. I don't know how it's, I would support the tip, though. Oh, I could just grab it.
0: Well, you know, actually, maybe not even... I mean, this would probably turn into even more ops, but I think that I should try um, just blade sideways, but mounted to a block sideways, not, like, standing up all on its own. Like, if you just put your fixture sideways... Because you could still do the steps sideways, I think. Um, Yeah, you should be able to. Just that might help a lot, too. With uh, how the tool pressure is applied.
1: Yeah, no, I I definitely want to do a lot a lot more side cutting. Um, it, it's just a, a more advanced fixture thought process that I I haven't. No, that's been... that's
0: why I haven't done. It. I mean, because I even have it so that my blade, uh, I could just take the whole blade in one pass with the side of an end mill, but then I'd have to make a fixture that holds it at five degrees. Yeah, I'm I'm just afraid of having to change something that I don't want to make, you know, have to go through the work of making a weird angled block and and all that to then have to mount to a Pearson palette and then decide I want to change the blade.
1: Yeah, I might I might play with that, though, now that I have Medusa's running on my uh, my next design that's going to be on the VF1 because I want to I'm taking my time with that one, which means I get to have really cool and actual nice palettes instead of just rushed holes in a pallet to get everything to work, with, which is what I do with the Medusa. I don't yeah. know. That, that, I, you're putting the seed back in. I, I wanted to play with it. Because I know that's what Grimsmo did for a long time on his Mori, is he had him on the side doing the bevels. And I think he yeah. was better better than doing a flat. Good good thought process. So, so why? Uh, go ahead. You, I mean, you already explained it to to a degree, but like, why are you not side cutting your bevels? Because your bevels are not perfect for side cutting. It's just one pass with an ML, no big deal.
0: Just because I have decided to change my fixturing and blades enough that I know, like already, I want to change my blades so that I can have extra, uh, like material on the edge so that, uh. I can feel less worried about tumbling them and having to be careful sharpening them. I'll just know that, Oh, the edge that gets rounded over from tumbling, I, you know, I can just remove that material. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like just stuff like that where it's like, I want to change, you know, that like in theory that change won't change where the tabs are. Uh, but I'm just still afraid that I want to change where the tabs are or, you know, obviously if I, if I change the bevel angle of the blade, which could happen, that would affect it too. Right, yeah. Um, and so I still think it might be good to make some that are just 90 degrees, and then I could use a bigger ball end mill uh, and cut with the side of the ball end mill. Um, uh, and then I don't have to worry about the bevel angle changing. Um, but right now, again, like I don't feel like the amount of time it takes to do the bevels is is that bad. Um, the only thing I don't like about it is is that the tool life might be bad if I have to hard mill the whole thing. So I've been trying to, you know, again, maybe I'm over-constraining my problem and uh, I want too much, but I've, but I've also been trying to look at solutions that are eliminating hard milling any of the bevel. Um, and that's partially just because that's you know most scissors aren't hard milled I mean a ton of scissors there's no milling, everything's just stamped out or drop forged and then ground or whatever mm-hmm. um, and so you know i uh I feel like I should be able to do something and not not have to rely on hard milling um at least for the standards that I am comfortable with with what the bevel looks like,
1: yeah. No, I I agree with that thought process, and and frankly, I I hate hard milling so much. It's just for <laughs> me, it produces the best result. So it's like a an evil that I have to live with. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah. If if I and when I have the opportunity to outsource like blade bevel grinding, I'm gonna take that route on my next design. Um, just because I think it's gonna it's gonna create a be- better bevel. It's gonna be an easier process, and the, obviously, I want to pay for tools anymore. <laughs> Go, right go, you know the thousand dollar check i'm sending out every week <laughs> to buy in is brutal for sure yeah, yeah. um but uh, john how's you, how's your week been what, what are you up to
2: uh good i got that new stealing for the lock bar inserts and went to 440c
1: oh nice So
2: i haven't cut one i got them all heat treated yesterday but i'm gonna try that today and other than that just same old i sold a couple book spots but i still have other ones to do <laughs> so nice. Nice, nice little backup there as usual but i think after the lock bar thing it's like that's the last hurdle like really nailing that down and then yeah uh, yeah and so then, what uh,
1: what does your process look like from like from start to finish how long does it take you as a as a human human labor element working on a knife or one for one, yeah, just one.
2: Yeah, like like two days. Oh my gosh.
1: Oh, honestly, yeah. <laughs> wow. <Whoa. laughs> yeah. Is that something that you're you you want to get better or is that just how it is? Oh no, it's gonna get better. It's just okay. how
2: it is right now. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it's uh it's pitiful, but
1: no, <laughs> I mean, has
0: gotta be two days has gotta be like ideal, you know, everything runs smooth, you don't have to reset a bunch of tools or something
2: yeah i still change a bunch of stuff every time i run stuff so it's kind of why yeah like, it could be better blah 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 but yeah i mean it'll get at some point it'll be like man i remember when it used to take two days to make one now it takes you know five and two days or something
1: yeah no i uh, yeah it will
2: <laughs> and, and that rich. counts like as
0: uh your uh like 16 hours of tumbling you were talking about
2: no that doesn't really count that just because that's kind of like around the clock process so luckily I don't have the you know I'm talking like uh,
0: well I meant like two days but then overnight stuff's tumbling in between that
2: yeah that's kind of I don't know it's just my rate of production I guess I'm not really sure I haven't tracked exactly why it's that long it's more of just like things fall apart or things change and then it ends up taking me that long but I'm not entirely. Oh, I,
0: just to be clear, I thought that was short. What did, did you think that was long or short, Grant? Oh, it's oh, super
1: long. Yeah, yeah, that's very long. Yeah. Oh. oh I know uh, it's long. <laughs> okay, well, then
0: yeah. I just suck. <laughs> yeah. Well, I so have I'm Thirty-minute yeah. cycle time on a blade, but it still takes me forever.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not talking about like the actual process. Like, your obviously your mill is going to take you know however many hours on top of everything else. So I'm talking about like when, what John is involved in. Like, how long does it take a knife so that he can't do anything else? Um, the because the, the end result is why why are you not able to make like two knives a day? You know, yeah. What because yeah. that that's as a production shop, obviously you want to produce as many as as reasonably we can with with the quality up Absolutely. as high as possible. Yeah. Um. So it's like, yeah, why why is it taking you two days for one book spot one knife? whatever
2: yeah no, like it's just uh, like a combination of all the small little things and then you know i don't know I, like sometimes i wish somebody would just stand over my shoulder and be like what are you doing
1: uh <laughs> yeah i'll tell you what, when zeke zeke came into my shop and i was just running him through my process like 20 things he was like hey that's a stupid way to do that and i was like you know you're so right this is just the way i've done you're, it <laughs> you're you're right it
2: is <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, so cuz I can easily see that I could probably make enough parts for like eight pairs of scissors maybe even in a day. Yeah. Uh but just that's just not how it goes. And and it's partially because I'm always testing stuff or or whatever that's you know, maybe even worse than you guys changing stuff cuz I'm you know, trying to figure things out. I'm not just tuning the program or whatever yeah um but but yeah i i i feel like if someone's like i need a pair of scissors uh i i feel like i would want at least a week because just stu- and that doesn't even counter like i have to anodize aluminum which i don't want to do myself so you know that has turnaround time
1: yeah well yeah all, all of the things that you're not actually involved in i i don't even count because you can always just do larger batches if you have more production uh yeah but it's like you know you know running for you david like you have to do all your tool changes you're sitting there running the tour that, yeah. that's that's david time and then obviously assembling and tuning and all that that's all david time sharpening is all david time um you know my, my goal especially bringing you know another person into my shop and making wanting to make his life easier is i'm trying to make all of the the things that take our direct attention to make them not necessarily like fast. I don't want to like kill quality to make them speedy, but I want to make them easy. I want to, I want the process to flow. If it can be done on a mill to make assembly easier, I'm doing it on the mill to make assembly easier. Right. Um, So like my, my direct, like touching a knife time is probably less than two hours per, per blade.
0: Um, Are you guys getting your blades laser cut?
1: Uh, I get my blanks laser cut, so I like I don't do window machining. Um, they leave like yeah. fifty thou. Yeah. Nope. I'm just buying
2: buying blanks and then milling them, and I have to go. I got a thing I gotta be at. Oh, but... yep. Okay. Uh, well, we could wrap it up. It's right.
0: been around an hour. Uh, uh thanks everyone for listening. Something.
1: Yeah, thanks. <laughs> the short short snippet without. I'm sorry. Saying. It's my fault. <laughs> Yeah. Everybody, you're good. Uh, yeah. All right. Bye, everybody.